Hey there, and welcome to Vibrancy with ADHD. Trying to improve our health and wellness with ADHD can feel like an uphill battle. Neurotypical advice tends to be complicated, rigid, and quite honestly, kind of boring. Us ADHDers thrive off of fun and need to be supported by people who just get us and the way our brain works. And most importantly, we need to feel encouraged and inspired instead of shamed. No falling off of any hypothetical wagons here. I'm Chelsea Eithoven and I'm a health and mindset coach who was diagnosed with ADHD at age 30. Stick around and together we can explore, learn, and play our way to a more vibrant lifestyle. Hello, hello. You are listening to Vibrancy with ADHD, episode 13. And today we're going to dive into our second concept for vibrant health, self-compassion. Oh my goodness gracious, this is so huge for ADHDers. Oh my gosh, this might be the biggest one. I don't know, they're all really important, but this one is so huge. Also, this is so random, but like I said, it's episode 13. Since we've switched from Vibrancy Radio to Vibrancy ADHD, we've started numbering the episodes. And I feel like most people will, you know, announce when they've gotten to 100 episodes or 500 episodes or something like that. I'm excited about 13 because 13 is my happy number. It's like my lucky number, you know. Whenever I see 13 or it's double 26, I always feel like I'm on the right path. And I've been seeing it all over the place recently. It has been crazy. If you believe in this kind of stuff, you're going to love this. And if you don't, you're going to think I'm like cuckoo bananas, but that's okay. Either way, it's cool. Anyways, let's move on. Let's dive into it. Okay. So really quickly, my hyper-focus of the week. So this week, my hyper-focus slash obsession is actually a concept I heard on another podcast. And I should have written it down and I could not find it and I could not remember where I heard it. I hate that I do this but I because I like to give credit where credit is due, but I heard this on a podcast from someone else and it was another woman who had ADHD. And she what she does is this concept kind of stuck with me and it's been my latest obsession. And she said that she puts on her to-do list things that she enjoys doing that she, she previously looked at as unproductive. So for her, it was video games, right? And she was talking about how this actually is a part of her productivity. Like by punishing herself and not doing these things, that didn't make her any more productive. She would just find something else to do to waste her time that she didn't really enjoy as much, which is so true. I do that 100%. But when she like deliberately makes time for these things she likes, puts it on her to-do list and makes sure she is doing them, Overall, she feels more refreshed, motivated, and productive because our ADHD brains thrive off of enjoyment, okay? And this spoke to me so much because I had kind of gotten into the habit of avoiding things that I really want to do. So some of the things that I really want to do throughout the week that I really enjoy doing is like roaming around Marshalls or Goodwill or other, I call them dig stores, the stores that you kind of like really have to dig through stuff to find hidden treasures, reading, whether it's like actual productive books like mindset books or just for fun, 
cooking and cleaning, playing in nature, organizing, right? All of these things I really enjoy and I want to do them when I'm supposed to be quote unquote working, right? It's kind of funny because a lot of things that I like are also productive technically, right? Like reading, cooking, cleaning, organizing, those are all productive things. But for me, I wouldn't allow myself to do them because if it was Monday through Friday in between 9 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., I felt like I was supposed to be working. So I would judge myself for it, right? But just because I was avoiding those things that I really enjoyed didn't make me any more productive. To be honest, I would just end up, I didn't want to get sucked into a pro like, an organization project. So I would just sit down and I'll be like, I'll scroll TikTok for a little bit. And I would end up scrolling TikTok for hours. I might as well have just done the things that I enjoyed and like actually dove into that and allowed myself to do it versus wasting time on something that sure gave me dopamine in the moment, but wasn't as actually enjoyable for me. So This week, I've really tried to focus on this shift. I've made this little shift of starting to put time into my schedule for things that I actually enjoy. And I have felt so good. I felt so much more freedom. I'm enjoying life without so much pressure on myself. And ironically, I feel like it's made me even more motivated and productive. And I've been getting lots of stuff done at the same time. So I just had to share that concept with you because you're a fellow ADHDer or you love a fellow ADHDer. And so I thought that that might be valuable for you as well. So that's my hyperfocus of the week. Now let's dive into our topic of the day, our next concept of vibrant health, self-compassion. So this is a part two. And while I obviously think you should listen to part one too, it's not one of those things where you technically have to listen to all of them to to understand the concepts or implement the concepts, or you don't have to listen to them in order, right? You do you. Like follow your interest. If some one of them speaks out to you, listen to that one. D- do it how you want to, you know? But if you didn't listen to part one, I'll just go ahead and give you a quick recap of what this series is kind of all about. So you may have heard, if you follow me on any platforms, Instagram, TikTok, if you listen here, that I have been in the process of creating a health and mindset coaching membership for women with ADHD, and it's called The Habit Edit, and I'm not going to dive into the details of the program right now, but there are five main pillars of the membership, okay? And basically, they're the backbone of the program. They're like everything that, that is built in the program is kind of stems from these five concepts. So if something doesn't align with one of these pillars, it doesn't go into the curriculum. It's not, you're not gonna find it in the coaching, you know? And so those five pillars, in my opinion, are the key concepts that we need to understand and be able to implement if we want to experience vibrant health as a human with ADHD. So the pillars are structure, self-compassion, joy, community, and individuality. And last week, we dove into structure, and this week, we're going to dive into self-compassion. So what we're doing in this little series, we're kind of going through each one, talking about why it's important and how you can kind of start implementing these pillars into your life, regardless of whether or not you join the habit edit. Okay, so that's kind of the cliff note of this series. But before we talk about why self-compassion matters, I kind of wanted to talk about the total and utter lack of self-compassion that I had for myself when it came to health and wellness habits for most of my life. 
And this is only something that I recognize in hindsight. I didn't really recognize this in the moment, but now that I think back on it, I (laughs) was so hard on myself. There was zero self-compassion when it came to my health habits. I expected absolute perfection out of myself. And, And I didn't think that that was unreasonable. I would feel guilty if I drank a coffee that had one pump of sugary syrup in it. You know, like when that happens, when you didn't realize it was going to have a sugar syrup in it and you taste it and you know that it does, I would feel so guilty for that. Like I ruined the whole day. I would feel guilty if I ate literally four French fries. I would feel guilty if I got off the elliptical at 28 minutes instead of the 30 minutes I had planned because that extra two minutes was really going to get me so far, right? In my health and wellness goals. (laughs) So silly thinking back on it, but like the things that I beat myself up on were so just crazy, right? And at least for me, being quote unquote healthy and feeling guilty kind of went hand in hand. Like it's almost if I didn't feel guilt or like this extreme sense of just basically self-deprecation, I didn't feel like I was doing it right. I didn't feel like I was making any real change. Like I felt like I had to force myself into doing all the things I needed to do to be healthy. And that if I didn't feel guilt, then I wouldn't be able to make that change into better behavior, right? Like the guilt was somehow fueling me and giving me that motivation. That was kind of, I think, like the underlying thought of that mindset. But that is just so far from the truth. And once I actually learned how to create habits that stuck, that's when I kind of realized that. So at this point in time right now, you might not believe me because I would not have believed me. But... You don't actually have to force yourself into better habits. It doesn't have to be this crazy hard thing that you feel guilt and shame and there's all this drama around. It gets to be drama free. It gets to be simple and it gets to feel good along the way. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to mistake that for effortless, right? Like I've said this in another podcast, there's going to be efforting happening when you're changing your your habits, for sure. But it should feel more like you're kind of walking up a hill with a small incline, right? You're kind of giving a little bit of effort. It's a little bit more difficult than usual, but it's doable, right? It's efforting. It should not feel like that you're literally pushing a giant boulder up a slippery, muddy hill that has a super intense incline. The difference is one is efforting and the other is pretty much impossible, you know? So giving yourself self-compassion instead of guilt isn't going to suck away all your motivation, right? Like I thought it was going to. And in fact, in my experience, it actually created even more motivation when I started being able to give myself self-compassion in these moments where I was less than perfect, which as you know, with as an ADHDer, came all the time. (laughs) So I do feel like self-compassion is a bit of a buzzword, but it's a it's a buzzword for a good reason. So let's take a moment to kind of define it. And P.S., of course, this definition is just one I found on the internet. As always, we keep it super professional here. But <laughs> self-compassion is basically, it is the act of extending compassion to oneself in instances of perceived inadequacy, failure, or general suffering. So extending compassion to oneself in instances of perceived inadequacy, failure, or general suffering. 
I want, I said it twice because I want you to note in the definition that it doesn't mention being proud of yourself when you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're focusing on all your positive efforts and staying super positive about things. It means that when you're feeling, and even when you're feeling inadequate, even when you feel like you've totally failed, like full on flop failed, even when you are suffering and experiencing distress, even when you feel like you should feel guilty, you are still extending yourself compassion, love, and understanding. The phrase self-compassion is literally not even relevant when we're discussing successes, right? It's only able to exist when we're talking about failures and or perceived failures. I want to make that distinction because I think a lot of us can kind of fool ourselves into thinking we have self-compassion because we're nice to ourselves when we're doing good. And like we can recognize when we are making positive changes and we can recognize when we're when we're doing better and we, and we can be proud of ourselves for that. We're like, yeah, I have self-compassion. I'm totally nice to myself, right? Because we're nice to ourselves when we're doing good. And yes, that's important. To recognize wins is so important. But how nice to you, how nice are you to yourself when you feel like you have totally failed? When you feel like just a total and complete loser? I want to share something with you. You ready? You ready to hear this? You are going to fail. Yep, you're going to fail. I feel like that's not really something that you expect to hear on a self-development health and wellness podcast, you know? But I want you to think like, how does that make you feel? Whatever the thing is that you are literally working your ass off towards right now. So whether it's improving your health and wellness, whether it's getting a business off the ground, whether it's finishing your education, whether it's getting a promotion or raise or saving money or whatever it is, you are going to fail and you're going to make some big mistakes along the way. You're going to have times that you feel disappointed in the choices that you have made. And you're going to feel like, why am I making all this effort if all I do is mess it up, right? You're going to fall off the wagon, fall out of your perfectly curated routine or system or whatever it is that you have set up for yourself to reach this goal. Are you able to kind of handle that situation with emotional grace and and compassion for yourself? When we don't have self-compassion, failure or perceived failure creates negative emotions and a feeling of hopelessness because we weren't expecting to fail. We weren't expecting that feeling of failure, right? Think to ourselves, we're like, okay, that was not part of the plan. I really messed up, right? Then we feel hopeless and we self-sabotage. I want you to think about how hopelessness and self-sabotage go hand in hand. If you literally don't have hope that you're going to reach your goal, why would you keep efforting and trying to move towards it? That sounds like a massive waste of time, right? But in my eyes, the first failure isn't a self-sabotage, right? I see self-sabotage as when we failed and like made a huge mistake and we fucked up royally, right? But then we decide because we failed, we're just going to go back to our old behaviors that we wanted to change, like let's say eating habits, you know, that's the easiest one for me to always talk about because that's what I work with in my coaching programs is is women and their eating habits and their health habits. So self-sabotage is not the first time that the first thing that you did to quote unquote mess up your eating plan. It's when you decide that because you made that mistake, you are just going to fall back into your old behaviors for an extended period of time, a, a week, two weeks, three weeks, 
maybe even forever and never go back to trying the new strategy, right? After we felt disappointed in ourselves or had after that failure. So yeah, like I said, this is really common when someone's been in a program for a while, like where they're trying to change their health and nutrition and they've made some massive strides in their nutrition and their relationship to food, right? They've learned how to make simple meals that they enjoy. They've started cooking more. They're eating in a way that makes them feel energized. They're balancing foods. So they're eating their favorite foods that they used to feel were quote unquote bad, but they're also eating really nutritious options and they're learning moderation and are eating to satisfaction. They're not under eating or overeating. They've made all these excellent changes and they feel so good. They'll be doing so good in their mind, right? They're proud of themselves. And then they kind of hit the great divide. I just made that up. I, I we'll, We're going to call this moment the great divide. Okay, we're going to go with it. So the great divide is kind of when you mess up for the first time, right? But like not just a little mess up, like you royally fuck up. <laughs> like you've been doing this program for a while, you're doing great. But then one weekend, you just, you just get a wild hair, you know? You have 12 drinks in one night, you have pizza, and then you have ice cream. And you kind of just go back to all of your old school habits that you had before you started the program, right? We all have those times. And then you wake up the next morning and you feel like total trash hole. It's actually me and my husband. So my last name's Ithoven. Our last name is Ithoven. We call ourselves trash thovens when we're just like, <laughs> you know, when you just are like, I just want to veg out on the couch and just eat trash. You know those days. So like you're, you just kind of eat like trash the entire next day because you're freaking hungover and it's like, hello, hangover days do not count, right? So that was your first quote unquote epic failure in the program. By the way, I don't see it as being a, as a failure. I see it as being human. We really can't outgrow being human, unfortunately. There's going to be days like this in our lives, and that's okay. But what happens when we do this and we don't have self-compassion? Most of the time, the answer is that we self-sabotage. So we fall into this shame spiral, and we say to ourselves after that, we say like, see, this is who I am. This is who I'll always be. I knew it was only a matter of time before I fell back into my old habits, who am I kidding? Like, I can't do this. I can't make that long-term change. I'm just going to continue this cycle. This is just me and who I am, right? And then we kind of sink back into that self-sabotaging spiral where instead of after that day, we kind of pick ourselves back up and just hop back on the wagon, we go back to our old habits, you know, for, for a week, for a month. Indefinitely, sometimes we just give up on a program altogether. Like, I can't say that I haven't done that, like, in the past completely felt so shameful for those actions that I just didn't even want to go back to the program, right? And didn't even want to go back to my old habits. I just wanted to take a break from the efforting for a while. And I want you to remember that guilt and shame breed that hopeless feeling and nothing good can be born without hope, right? Now imagine that same exact scenario, right? But with self-compassion this time. So you had your wild Friday night, you had your hangover day in which you like ate everything that's not nailed down, right? And then you wake up the next day after the hangover day and you say to yourself, wow, well, that definitely wasn't part of the plan. That I definitely didn't mean to do that. If I was thinking about that more consciously, I maybe wouldn't have made those choices, right? You definitely didn't do what you had learned to do in the program that you're in or whatever it is. But you, instead of beating yourself up and feeling guilt and shame, you decide to extend yourself some self-compassion. And you take a moment to consciously remind yourself that changing habits and mindsets takes 
time, a lot of time, right? And really, you're just a beginner still. And also, you're a human. And also, you're a human with a neurodiversity. And that neurodiversity sometimes makes it hard to remember your goals that you're working towards. And it means that you're not going to be perfectly perfect and you're going to have moments of inconsistency, right? But even knowing all that, you still have hope, right? You know that you still have hope that you can still be the person you want to be. You can still make the changes you want to make. Hope is not lost, right? And because of hope isn't lost, there is an ability to see that you can take some actions right now that will kind of turn this train around, right? So maybe you can go to the grocery store today and make a nourishing dinner. Or maybe you could even order in a nourishing dinner if you don't have the capacity to go to the grocery store. Maybe you can focus on drinking hot tea and drinking lots of water today, even if that means like you're putting yummy crystal light packets in your water just so that it tastes good and you're able to drink more water. Like just kind of easing back into things. Not as a punishment, not because you were bad or you feel guilty, because you have self-compassion for yourself. And just because you were less than perfect doesn't mean that all hope is lost. And you also know that like your body desperately needs water and you'll feel so much better because of it, right? You're just making choices from a less emotional place and more of a logical place, right? I starved my body water and nutrients okay, maybe it's time to get back to the water and nutrients, right? When we do have self-compassion, we're able to realize that we're going to fall out of the structures that we create for ourselves time and time and time again. And guess what? It is all good. We can just get back right back into it when we're ready. Self-compassion recognizes this pattern and it really allows us to become okay with it. So you know by now, if you've been listening for a while, that I'm all about creating structures for ourselves, right? Structures so that we don't need discipline, so that we can just kind of have like a nice flow of how things go without, without you know, needing this intense discipline to follow through with what we want to follow through with. So I love structure. But did you know that I also fully recognize that you're not going to stick to those structures perfectly and that you're going to fall out of them? and that I have absolutely no problem with that, maybe that's not something you realized. But if you have ADHD, you can right now start expecting yourself to fall out of your routines from time to time. And right now, you can start getting used to the idea that this doesn't mean anything negative about you unless you want it to. But it definitely doesn't have to, right? I want you to do a little self-assessment here, okay? How many times in your lifetime Have you felt guilty for eating something you didn't plan on eating? Seriously, I want you to like really think about this. How many times have you felt guilty over something that you've eaten? Is it hundreds of times? Thousands of times? If I think about this in my past life, I, it has to have been thousands of times that I felt guilt because I felt guilt for things that I ate on a daily basis, daily basis, right? Had probably more than thousands of times. And how many times has it actually helped you stick to your plan in the long term? Like you felt the guilt, you ate something, you felt guilty about it, and then you changed your habits forever because of that guilt. I mean, to be honest, likely never, right? You didn't eat a donut, feel guilty about it, and then say, I'm never doing that again. When next time there's donuts in the break room, I am not eating those. And then you never ate a donut again. This... 
Even though our brains logically think this is how it works, this is normally not how it works, right? We think we need guilt to change, but to be honest, it's not a necessary emotion for change at all. Like we don't have to feel that guilt in order to make that change. Usually, especially for ADHDers as well, positive emotions are more beneficial for making change than negative emotions. So guilt may work in the short term, right? Like after you ate that donut, you may feel guilty and go, I don't know, like the rest of the day eat better or the next day eat better. I don't know. But it, it's it's a short-term strategy, right? And self-compassion is a strategy for long-term change. So in the habit edit, we are consciously always working on remembering that not sticking to something perfectly is something that every human does and that we can forgive ourselves for it. We can have self-compassion. And we also remember that perfection is not required for progress, right? And also something to kind of keep in mind is that like, if we're not sticking to something perfectly, it doesn't always mean we have to try harder. We might need to try different, right? We might need to change the structure that we are, that we're, we're trying to implement, right? It might not work for our lifestyle right now. And when we look at things with curiosity and compassion, self-compassion, instead of judgment, we're able to analyze how we could change the structure to better fit our lives. So a few areas that I have learned and am definitely still learning to give myself more self-compassion are my levels of productivity, right? Like we were talking about at the beginning of this episode with my hyper-focus of the week, doing things that I enjoy throughout the week. I'm learning to give myself more self-compassion around my past mistakes and failures, right? Like failures in my business and and the time that I dropped out of college and my grades in college prior to dropping out, right? I still have to remind myself and give myself compassion for those moments. My emotional outbursts that although I've gotten a lot better at are still I'm nowhere near perfect, this perfect emotionally neutral human being, which by the way is not the goal, but you know what I mean. My spending habits, I've had to give myself a lot more compassion and meet myself in the middle when it comes to my spending habits, right? I'm not going to go from impulse spender to budget queen overnight, (laughs) nor do I ever really want to be a budget queen. If my husband is listening to this, which I know he probably is, so that one's for you, Garrett. I'm not going to be a budget queen. (laughs) We've talked about this. It's so funny. We talk about our spending habits that just recently, we realized we need to meet more in the middle. We're on just opposite ends of this. But I always shamed myself for that. And I can give myself more compassion because I do want to make impulse purchases every once in a while. And that's not always a bad thing. And lastly, my eating habits. I've learned in massive ways to give myself more compassion when it comes to my eating habits and not being perfect with it. But that doesn't mean that I remember that 24 hours a day. I still have to practice giving myself self-compassion in this area, especially since I became a health and nutrition coach. And then when I, for some reason, when I became a health and nutrition coach, I thought that meant that therefore I had to be perfect with health and nutrition. And it almost like amplified the problem for a little while. And then I realized, wait, that's not true. Like I don't have to be perfect. In fact, I'm teaching people that they don't have to be perfect to reach their goals. So why am I expecting perfection out of myself? You know, it, so Ironically, all of these areas that I have learned how to give myself more self-compassion in and that I'm still learning, all of these areas have improved since I stopped beating myself up about them. 
So self-compassion is a huge, it's like a key component in being able to accept failure and understanding that failure is a huge part of our growth, right? We often think that there are two roads, right? One leads to success and the other leads to failure. And that when we we fail, we feel defeated and confused and we feel like we have to start back at ground zero, right? But this isn't the case. The actual truth is they're not two separate roads, one that leads to failure and one that leads to success. Failure is a stop along the road to success. It's a necessary step on the way to success. No matter what your goal is, it doesn't matter what area we're talking about. It's a natural part of the process that we don't have to feel bad about. We don't have to feel guilty about. And failure can actually be really, really helpful when we use it to our advantage. It can help us learn and grow and create a better plan moving forward when we examine it from a point of curiosity instead of judgment. So instead of looking at it and beating ourselves up and telling ourselves we have to try harder, when we have self-compassion, we can kind of analyze and we can say, why did that go wrong? Okay, well, what can I change moving forward? How, like, we can get a little bit more creative with it, but it's only beneficial. Failure is only beneficial when we can meet ourselves with self-compassion instead of guilt. Because if we meet ourselves with guilt, we kind of suck that curiosity and creativity out of the experience and we are not able to get as much out of it. Okay, I am just going to wrap this up really quickly because I'm, like I mentioned to you, trying to make sure these episodes aren't too long for your wonderful ADHD brain and that you don't lose focus. But I hope this episode was helpful. And this was part two of a five-part series. And the series actually is going to continue after next week. I have a special episode, an interview. So, but don't worry, after that, we will get back into our series. So I just want to let you know that that's going to be happening. And if you thought this was super helpful and you want to actually learn strategies how to give yourself more self-compassion and you want coaching through the process of this, particularly with your health and nutrition habits, then click the link in the show notes and join the habit edit waitlist. So it's in the show notes and we're getting so close to the date of doors opening for the habit edit and I am so excited. It is going to be such a game changer for so many women with ADHD that want to change and improve their health and nutrition. Okay, so that's it for today. As always, thank you for being here. I cherish you so much. I hope you have the best day ever and I will talk to you next time. 